Sophie, do you like her new music? I Surprise! I changed my hair, I changed the music, I had a productive couple of weeks off. I thought let's make the most of COVID. Um, welcome to 21st Century Saints, it is still us. Um, our podcast and live stream for members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, those affiliated with, those who hang around us. Um, here in the UK and around the world. I am your host, Jane Christie. Um, I should start remembering to tell people what the date it is in case you're listening afterwards. Today is the 16th of August. I am now recovered from COVID completely. The, the, the date today's episode is particularly important to make sure you announce though, Jane. It is. We're, we're, we're going to come and talk about that. Yeah. I have the energy levels of a sprightly 16-year-old... I don't know, um, greyhound or something. Like I'm definitely not as yeah. I I'm feeling mentally like I'm ready to go, but my body's like, does do you have to? Um, so I'm really excited because I miss you guys. I'm really excited to be able to catch up with you all. We also have Ruth. I miss you too. I really missed you both. I'm really sorry you were poorly, but and 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 we often go quiet over the summer, don't we? But yeah, miss you guys. Yeah. yeah. But I, I mean, it, it was nice having some some chill time. I have learned a lot from it. But yes, I, I need my I need my people. So so Ruth, are you good? Are you have you had a good couple of weeks? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, I've had um, a couple of days away with the family camping in Wales, which was windy and lovely and sunny bits and rainy bits and just fun being away together. Um, yeah, all good. Awesome. And we've got some big stuff to talk about tonight. We've got yeah. big event. We also have Queen Sarah Elizabeth Delaney with us. How how are you doing? And how has your how's your holiday been? Your summer? I, I, I'm doing great. I've had a lovely been away for 10 days. I got home on Sunday, had a few days down in Dartmoor camping on my own, which was great fun. Did some walking, some chilling, some doing nothing. So I had a lovely time. And then I went and joined a whole group of friends from another faith community and had a summer camp with them for seven days. And that was that was amazing. I love that was it. Amazing. Are you that are you amazing. gonna join? Were you hanging out with like a new cult or are you are, what's well, what are you or or is it um you know people were friends oh. with? I think we need to be careful. They're definitely not a cult. People we're friends with. I mean, are we are we going yeah. for this? I'm just checking. Happen? I just okay. wanted yeah, no, to yeah. do a quick check. I, I, do you know what? I hung out with Community of Christ to our friends. Our they love friends. us. We love them. They're our best friends. They love us. We love them. So I hung out with them. They had a summer camp for a week and they invited me to go and join them. So I went and joined them and participated in all sorts of fabulous things with everything from bongo bingo adapted to make it great for a faith community because i'm thinking how are you actually going to adapt bongo bingo to a kind of churchy faith community setting this is going to be interesting but it was really good fun and some fantastic spiritual discussions about where is god leading you and what is god inviting you to do next and came away with this wonderful sense of the wild abandon to the holy deep calling of god now, you know, just, oh, that just came wild, away yeah. The world abandoned. I love that kind of language. Of Not well be well behaved, ladylike um behavior no, to the will of God. 
no there wasn't a lot oh, of well-behaved lady behavior there was there was oh, a lot okay. of honest there was a lot of honest talking and sharing and dissenting and loving and i just heard one person one young adult who's got kind of lots of stuff going on in her life and she just oh god was in this moment she just said to me about all the stuff and problems going on in life and we were chatting and she said i know nobody here judges me Mm. And I'm like, whoa, yeah, whoa, because in 45 years of being around the LDS church, I've not heard anyone experiencing similar challenges in life be able to say, I know nobody here judges me. And that was <sighs> like, you know, things should go away. All in all. And Sarah's internet's been a little bit naughty again. It's, it's, oh. That's okay. It's, it's fine. You know, we, we get you back. We just chat to you. And I think so, yeah, I, I'm yes. really glad you had a wonderful time. Um, refreshed and ready to go. At, me too. Yeah, I am buzzing to talk about this stuff. So we have a really, really big announcement uh, tonight that we are looking forward to telling you. We have an, an invitation to extend. Uh, but we want to kick off with the fact that tonight is the anniversary, the one year anniversary of the launch date for our 21st Century Saint Safeguarding Project. And honestly, what has been achieved in the past year is absolutely dynamite. Uh, Sarah, did, did you no. imagine we would get across the finish line for I mean, it's, no, obviously it's no. it's an ongoing moving finish line, but you know, absolutely. Did you think no. we get there? No, I did not. When we had discussions based on the back of having spoken to victims and people that had been so hurt by abuse and harm within the church, and we were so concerned about their failure to take notice of our safeguarding concerns, when we started this campaign, it was a year ago today. When we when we notified our bishops in writing and said, "This is what we're going to be doing." I've still got the message here in front of me. This is what we're going to be doing. This is why we're going to be doing it. This is how we're going to do this. And then we started this a year ago. And although What'd we What did you kept... say? What, what did you tell your bishop? What was... What did I tell my bishop? Hang yeah. on. I'll, I'll read you the message I sent to my bishop on that very day. Hey, bishop, I'm going to go change the world. Uh, let me know if you have any feedback, more or less. hundred percent. <laughs> I said... Bishop, I wanted to tell you something myself. Based on my 25 years plus experience of working with sexual abuse, both victims and offenders in risk management and programs, my despair over the years that as a church we don't do safeguarding well just deepens. I'm working with a podcaster, 21st Century Saints Jane. She's an active LDS woman, loves the church, and wants to support to try and move things along. This is 100% not anti-church or church bashing, but an acknowledgement of all the many benefits of being part of our faith community children and young people can experience and how we need to ensure they are safeguarded. We are going live at 6.30pm tomorrow, Wednesday 17th of August. If you're able to listen and have any thoughts or questions, I'd love to work talk with you about this please know this comes from a good place the desire to see the church do better protect more and move from bare minimum to excellence 
I will help in whatever way the church will allow us both to assist. Offers haven't been accepted in the past, though. Our plans are discussed concerns, what the church could do, how and why. I think that totally sums up where we were both at. And there was a lot of reassuring we had to do to church leaders, even that, you know, that email is couched in such language of, you know, this is this isn't anti, um, um, you know, this isn't I'm not being threatening here. Um, we wanted and still do want everyone to feel safe. I think we still we still do a lot of making sure that people don't feel like we are coming for them. Um, when you say people, yes, you mean, you mean men, yes, because I love it, I love that because we do that is just what we mean, men, mm-hmm. because it's fragile egos, fragile egos that have been hoofed up with priesthood power. I was in a good mood this morning, and um, <laughs> <laughs> that can't can't fathom that you could have any anything to to tell them from your experiences from your um yeah the feral housewives love to be a housewife I wouldn't actually like to be a housewife um, <laughs> they just can't fathom it and it and they've got to get over that in order to actually tap into all of the help and the support and the knowledge and the experience and the wisdom that you have to offer them and it's not fair that you have to pussyfoot around to bring them closer to you instead of just yeah. saying, this is the direction we're going, keep up. I, I just find it so frustrating. And I'm, mm. I, and one of the reasons why it's so very freeing to say, I'm done. I'm done yeah. with a lot of you. Yeah. Because however many odd years, tiptoeing around those sorts of personalities. And I'm very fortunate that, thankfully, that's not the man I married. Yes, he was a Mormon, but it wasn't the man that I married because otherwise we wouldn't have lasted as long as we have. But And they're not the men that I raised either. But there yeah. are so many that's, yeah. uh, for the, whom the church is such a comfy place for that type of personality. And it frustrates me no end that you've had to couch things in such a very delicate way when it's just plain common sense mm-hmm. that, yeah. I mean, we, we were alluding yeah. to this just, just before we came on air that in a lot of ways at church, your experience is having to leave um, all or part of our personality at the door, uh, leave all of our professional um, experience or certainly at least the professionalism that requires you know, that, that demands respect, that the, the you know, the, the fact yeah. that we can go to meetings and be assertive and have expectations and, and, and that dynamic um often we can have an identity crisis in church because i don't feel like me here um and and then of course we're, we're sort of telling us yeah but it's, it's the real us we can really be ourselves at church and it's actually yeah, it's actually not so so yeah we 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 have to we have to remember the the personalities the threat to authority the you know we, how we don't want to be seen as people who are trying to disrupt or or worse be anti-mormon Sarah and did you matter. it shouldn't matter though should it if we're trying to say this is what you need to do to safeguard your most vulnerable people it shouldn't matter whether we agree with their theology or not whether we rock up and talk the way we do on a podcast or not mm-hmm. it should be hey, we need what you've got to offer because we need to make sure our vulnerable people are safe. It shouldn't yeah. matter. Yeah. 
So did you get a reply to your email? I did. I did. You did? I did not I remember did. that you got a reply. So you would have sent that on what day? On the 16th? Yeah, because okay. we went live the day before. Okay. So the reply, the reply I got was shrewd. So on a Tuesday night, I'm sorry, I'm just trying to picture this. You sent it on a Tuesday night then, presumably. If it was a year ago, would it have been Tuesday the 16th? I did. I sent it on the 16th of August at 1947. So the poor bishop, who at that point would have been taking the young men's because we've had that shift around that means the bishop's in charge of young men activities. Yeah. The poor bishop would have oh, um, course, yes. been busy down at the chapel yet again, probably not at his tea yet, gets in the door, 9.30 at night, opens his laptop or sees it on his phone, ping, oh, for crying out loud. And he's thinking, <laughs> come on. <laughs> I love it. Well, he sent the most gracious reply in that case, Ruth, because he said, hi, Sarah, thanks for sending this. I'll have a listen to your podcast. It's a subject very close to my heart, and I'd love to discuss further with you at some point. Is that a fantastic? It was a lovely reply. It's lovely. Yeah. I didn't get a reply. Uh, So I I copied in my bishop and state president, and they they didn't reply. did mention my bishop mentioned in passing and my state president did have a sort of brief chat about it when I later turned up but we were kind of talking about some other things and I'm like well you know I didn't really need a reply to be perfectly honest with you um however it would have been nice wouldn't it um actually any email I send because there's been a few it would be nice to get a you know just every now and again I do wonder if you were a man that held the Marquesic priesthood <laughs> power and authority if you would get a response oh, no probably not because they're all volunteers so oh okay. okay we're all volunteers when it suits and and you know and then we're all very very we're very knowledgeable people when it suits as well aren't we so it's busy yeah, I I mean I try to be really, you know, easy on people about, you know, anytime I message anybody about anything, I don't expect you to be at my beck and call. Mm. However, eventually if there's a pattern of you're just not ever answering me, I will probably take the hint. Yeah. You yeah. don't really want to engage. So that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. And so back to what you're saying, Jane, did we ever think a year after sending that message that yes. we sent to our bishops to say this is what we're doing? And because we thought we'd tell them ourselves before somebody else goes and tells them and says, do you know what that woman's doing? Do you know what those women are up to? Did we think we'd be here a year later? No. I think there were many, many times when we brazened it out and said we're actually totally confident this is what's going to happen. But there were many times we didn't think it was going to happen. There were many times we felt there was stalling, there was delaying tactics there were problems there were many times we didn't think we were going to get here to the point we're at certainly within and it was less than a year the decisions were formally announced on the 1st of July that these were the changes the church was going to bring in around safeguarding yeah Mm -hmm. what 10 months it took and yeah exactly it was you know so was it 1st of July 1st of June I thought it was 1st of June 1st of June sorry 1st of June well, not not only just that, but the movements to make this happen uh, were, were sort of happening at the beginning of the year. So, so we've known about this and and the sort of steps that were that were going to happen. So this did happen like lightning, and I think, 
I'll be honest, it's not that I didn't think this would happen. I, you know, we, in this space, I think you just expect to get kept out for sort of sneezing incorrectly. You know, we're in the UK, excommunications happen, you know. um, That's the context of of the faith that we live in, if if you're doing anything that kind of feels a bit, uh, you know, makes people uncomfortable. So we we had lots of those types of conversations. But, I thought we'd have been history by now. Yeah, but I, I do remember, I think it was by the time we had got, I think it was just after um, last October, and we were doing the open letter and things, and I remember thinking, this is an, an inevitability at this point. So many people want it. Legal frameworks are changing, media expectations what other churches are doing there's not going to be a reason to actively stop doing this so I feel like it's inevitable and I feel like it's a case of when it happens not if it happens and I remember sort of saying that's particularly about DBS checks because we we knew they were coming down the pipeline Mm. but there was a lot of sort of tweaking to happen but um no I definitely you couldn't have envisaged the timeline no no it's very impressive and I, I obviously, alongside for the journey, um, and you guys doing all the donkey work, all the credit goes to you too. Um, but I remember being very frustrated on your behalf by some of the the shenanigans that were going on to try and circumvent it and say that the current system was absolutely a okay oh, by people yeah. who benefited financially from that. And yes. My fear yeah. is that they're going to continue to find a way to benefit financially from any new system that gets put into place. Yeah. But that's on them. Do you know what? That's between them and, and any God that they worship. And I really hope there's a pearly gates that they have to stand in front of and account for why they would get in the way of safeguarding yeah. because of a bit of this. Yeah. And, and do you know, I've, I feel frustrated and think, do you know what? If you want to do this, do it as a calling. Do it voluntarily. Don't make it a business. Don't make safeguarding the LDS church a business. But, you know. Keep your hands clean. Use an outside agency. Because we like like saying, we wear it as a badge of honour that everyone's a volunteer. But actually, it's a huge, it's a huge pitfall when it comes to something like this. Because nobody is doing it with any sort of professionalism. Mm. Nobody takes accountability because they are, have been given the responsibility and the the um, the training, the proper training, um, and they can just hide behind this camouflage of we're all volunteers, so that must equal we're all good people. No, it doesn't. Many, many people, and Jane I know has had the same experience, and I, I imagine you have as well, Ruth. When we've told people that the church are bringing in DBS checks and we've kind of said how delighted we are and happy that that is happening and people have shared that joy and said that's great so pleased your church are doing that everybody has said who's doing the who's leading who's on who's doing the dbs checks and when we when we've actually said well the system the church are using is the lawyer who runs the church abuse helpline for ecclesiastical leaders will be overseeing and managing the dbs the very words without fail every single person has said from professional Mm. working in the field to other church members the very words i've said isn't that a conflict of interest yeah Yeah. and that's the that's the um polite 
politic terms they use. They, they, I mean, really, really, uh, people have not couched their language um, in the way that we're doing. Um, I, I'll be honest, I think there is a story there that is going to be told. Um, I, 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 because that's what happens. Um, yeah. One of the, you, you know, one of the things that, that in, in the church, it's often framed as um, one of those things about repentance in the last days that make you feel really like fearful and awkward that, you know, things that um, are hidden will be, you know, declared from the rooftops and things like that. And this is the type of thing, if you think you're acting um in a non-transparent way no one's ever going to find out oh my goodness we everyone is going to get to know so if there's anything that you even could have the appearance of being a conflict get your house in order do you know definitely do that so I'd like to I'd like to move this on because what we'd like to do is is answer some of the most common questions that we get and take any viewer questions. So if there's anything you'd like to ask us about what we've learned or the context or whatever it is, um, just just give us put a message in the chat um, and, and we'll we'll come to it. But um, what about um, victim voices? What what kinds of things would you guys say we've learned from the work that we've done with victims? You know, one of the, well, we've heard very many sad stories, tragic stories, courageous stories, heartfelt stories from victims and their family members. And some of the things that we've heard repeatedly is that people just want the church to validate their experience they want the church to acknowledge that they've been abused that this was by another church member that somewhere in the midst of all this was church membership and church activity and we've heard things like i mean one victim parents of a son who was abused said to us we just long to tell our precious son the church cares Mm. and we've heard many comments of that sort that people say we just want to tell our child the church cares people mm-hmm. say we just want the church to acknowledge the hurt and just say we're sorry you've been hurt we're going to try and do better and we've heard that repeatedly haven't we yeah and plus, some... real, plus real concern that people express about people still being at church that they feel are a risk and they're worried about the risks not being managed safely yeah I think one of the things that has stayed with me most is one of the people that we were working with had um, shared the story of her child reporting abuse. And and these these parents are, without fail, these parents and, and people who've come forward have apologised to us for, you know, for, for not speaking out enough or or the, the, they are thanking us. And and you're just like, oh my goodness, I, I have never seen such just vulnerability and and you don't see that you are the you are the most important thing here um so it's a privilege to be able to to do that to to talk to people about and it's very case by case how much power you have in this situation here is what we've learned here are some things and suggestions and some options that you have um 
here's some things that we could do and you don't have to do anything um but if you want to and giving people some things that if they wanted to they could they could is this something that I want to maybe think about is incredibly empowering but I think it's the the inevitability the 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 over years this has stayed with people and the helplessness that they feel and and the the phrase I remember um these parents using was when their daughter disclosed um and had reported that their daughter and telling the, the 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 parents had said I knew they wouldn't believe me oh the other thing the same and this is a child we're talking about yeah. the boys get to do whatever they want that was heartbreaking to listen to mm. the boys get to do whatever they want and I mean, here we're, we're, we're hearing it in the context of um, safeguarding and abuse. But, you know, that, that phrase is actually, that's baked right into Mormonism. This, From this, the, the authority. Yes, th those power dynamics. Yeah. And a child has been, a, has, has been exposed yeah. to that. And that's, that's the lesson they've learned about the church. That's the thing that they remember. And I think that the thing that breaks my heart the most is that I no longer believe. So walking away from from a, what I consider to be a a um, a faith group that that supports abusive situations and has a track re record of supporting abusers over victims isn't hard because it's not my faith anymore, and it's not. I don't need it for, to feel that that's my spiritual journey. But the conflict for somebody for whom that is their that is their path to God, that is their relationship with deity through those double doors on a Sunday morning, sat on that pew next to their abuser or, or a couple yeah. of rows in front of their abuser, week in, week out, and their leaders, the people that they trust who, who have the ability to discern and to say, this is right in the, in the eyes of God, fail them time and time again, the, the emotional damage that that must do to a child's psyche or to an adult psyche to you know anybody who's been abused and, and is vulnerable is incredible because it's not a it's not just a temporal for your lifetime damage you're you're seeing your eternities get, getting lost to you because you're hanging on to your faith and going every week and putting your through yourself through that pain again and again and again it's like getting run over by on the motorway every Sunday for the rest of your life or choose a, or, or choose to walk away and, and die in a different way. But either way, you're, yeah. you're dying inside or you're, you're, you're spiritually dying, your choice. You know, how do you choose that? If that's your faith, how do you choose that? Yeah, and, and that's one of the awful things about abuse, isn't it? It destroys faith, it destroys relationships, there's brokenness, there's nothing but brokenness in the abuse, is there? Yeah. Well, and when you, yeah, sorry, on you go. I was going to say, and, and offering some compassion here for those that abuse, there is no, sometimes, and sorry, you are the expert on this, but sometimes for people who are abusive, 
they are also the victims of abuse themselves many times over in their lifetime. And that has led to the behavior where they feel that abuse is an option. And for them to not have those boundaries, the consequences to their actions put in place is they're they are constantly waiting for the other shoe to drop, aren't they? And it, and it is never yeah. going to drop within Mormonism as it's currently mm. constituted well, because we don't yeah. put the, the victim first. We keep it a, a safe place for abuse to take, to take place. One of the things that frustrates me immensely is the number of times we have heard People say, both church leaders, bishops, state presidents, leaders, and people that have experienced abuse, the times we have heard them say, well, there's nothing we can do. There hasn't been a conviction. And I've spoken to him about it, and he's denied it. So there's nothing I can do. So hang on a minute. You can be, you can be told not know. to take a sacrament for, for masturbating. <laughs> you know. Last time I checked, no 13-year-old got convicted in a court of law for You know, you're not taking the sacrament. You're not participating yeah. in youth camp. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. We're going to publicly shame you. But yeah. unless we've done a, a full trial and you've been found guilty in a court for, for raping a child, we're going to let you carry on coming to church every Sunday. We're not going to yeah. put any sanctions in place on your membership because... Please, thank you. I think I think also though it's it's really important. Um, what what I've learned about how we need to approach this is very complicated. So um, yeah. I think even sort of where before I would have viewed it as as the sort of language of sanctions being put in place where there's an accusation, I don't think I would do that now because. I don't think I, I, because I think there's nuance around it. What I do believe is that each and every case has to be risk assessed. Yeah. And, you know, so we're, we're not necessarily responding. You know, someone's made a complaint. There is no evidence. And that is the entire process that's happened. I that, yeah. Uh, so I, I feel like, um, I actually, do you know, it's a... It, it's, it's, it's so messy yeah it's messy and it's complicated but it's about having and this is where it frustrates me that they should actually have some experts that they could go and talk to about this yeah and say so we're really worried we've had this allegation nothing seems to be progressing through the criminal justice system we don't quite know how to handle the kind of risk because the victim is saying this happened he's saying it didn't happen what do we do and they need to be talking this is why they need the transparency of the engagement of services like nwg children's charity that specialize in exploitation and abuse yeah. 318 that specialize in religious and faith mm -hmm. communities and abuse they need the expertise from people in those charities yeah. that they can go to and get advice because they need to approach somebody with a discussion along the lines of this allegation is a problem you clearly need to be protected from further allegations and we need to make sure that everybody else feels safe as well and yeah. really talk with the person about putting mm. some boundaries and plans in place that they will stick to and most people if they've had an, an allegation of sexual abuse and it hadn't happened and let's be very careful we believe it does happen when victims say it happens it happens yeah but even if somebody is thinking well maybe this didn't happen somebody would want boundaries around themselves to be protected from their from further allegation and their behavior being misinterpreted 
absolutely and a false and and i say that lightly because i don't believe victims lie so i believe if a victim is saying it happened it happened yeah and i also oh sorry go ahead but there's ways for them to approach that discussion with somebody who has had an allegation against them so Mm -hmm. that they will agree to safety things being in place to protect them and other people and i've done that a hundred times over with working with unconvicted (sighs) sexual abusers i've done it a hundred times over and most people We'll go with it if you just have the discussion in the right way with the right language. But yeah. the church haven't got a track record of going and talking to people that can do that for them. They're, they're too worried about being criticised. They're too, they're too worried about being criticised. Yeah. <laughs> I think, Jane, um, are you okay? Do you, are you okay, Jane? Do you need to go? Need to, yeah, I'm just, I'm just directing my army of minions. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> um, right here. Go, Ruth. Cool. Well, what I was going to say was, and I always hark back to my time working in, in a, a primary school because that was my real experience of, of being in a, a, an environment where safeguarding was absolute paramount. Um, and the training was robust and the training went from person who was there for a lunchtime break as a member of staff all the way through to somebody who was you know the head teacher in there day in day out all day every day so everybody had the safeguarding training regardless of the amount of contact time they had with kids and part of that training is about understanding what a disclosure might look like and understanding how to capture that information and understanding what to do with that information in a timely way and and that that process going bump 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 as fast as it needed to go and the right agencies and outside agencies becoming involved at the earliest possible stage because the the church as it stands at the moment even with the new safeguarding that that's, that's coming in we all looked at that and went okay it's nice that they're doing something but there is such a huge way to go to get even to the same standard of a local youth group let alone a primary school which the children who are there on a Sunday they're experiencing the proper level of safeguarding in schools and in in you know maybe sports groups that they attend and then on a Sunday and on their weekday night activities um they're experiencing a very different level of safeguarding um and and I think we we need to get it up to at least that same standard to 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 do the many service but it's it's about sort of knowing where your limitations are and as members of the church as volunteers as just ordinary lay people that are there for a couple of hours on a Sunday um you are the eyes and ears of if you want to to you know value the the hierarchy at church you are the eyes and ears of the bishop he will not know everything that's going on he will not overhear every conversation or strange thing that a child has said about someone's touching them somewhere or that's normal or whatever they won't see every picture that's drawn by a three-year-old but somebody will do and somebody needs to have that autonomy and feel that that ability to take that and know that it's going to be heard and they're going to be listened to um yeah that's the part of it that i think that i worry about with this training because sarah tell me as far as i'm aware could could we come back to the training um just just shortly could could could, because there, there are some things we we want to um 
deal with it lots of people are asking about yeah. we have a question in the chat i'm going to address in a second but since we're talking about some of the some of the messiness um about the things that we're seeing um Let's talk for a little minute about, we, we've got a lot of our friends in, in the chat. We've got a lot of longtime supporters in the chat. We've also got, um, you know, people who have spoken with us and shared their stories. Um, thank you so much for your, your vulnerability and your openness and um, just want to honour that. Um, let's talk for a second about approaches. So, you know, we're, we're hearing about, um, for example, if there are situations when an accusation has been made that perhaps um, isn't being either thoroughly investigated, and it's not the church's job to investigate, to be, no, to be no, completely... No, definitely the not. Church definitely should not, not be investigating. That's, that's for no, law they enforcement. Should not. They should yeah, not. Absolutely. Um, but risk assessment has to happen. Yes. We have situations where... Um, you know, it's, it's been reported to us that people are concerned that someone who has abused is in their ward or is being taught by missionaries, that we've been able to bring that to the attention of church leaders and have discussions around that. Um, sometimes the church is all over it. Sometimes uh, we have, we've seen things being handled brilliantly well. We've also seen things being handled not so well. Um, so I, I want to talk. One of the things I want to talk about is um, is the floodlit approach. Now we are floodlit as one of our heroes. Their their campaign is incredible, and I think it's just really important that I that I make that super clear. Um, we don't use that approach. Um, Sarah, would would you maybe like to sort of share some thoughts about um, how public it becomes? when we oh and we just oh, we, no sorry i don't want to answer that question <laughs> she, she's back um, yeah what happens when when um, certainly in the uk we, we're in we're in a smaller area um when when people are sort of named as you're an abuser you're living in this area and uh here is where you're likely to be on a sunday do, do you want to share some thoughts about the the, the approach of of um organizations that would name abusers i think we still lost sarah um okay well we're waiting for sarah ruth do you have any thoughts anything that you want to share there because i do have something i was going to say but oh I, about yeah, the specific campaign and what how they yeah. are doing yeah. yeah so um for anyone that's um not been following what they've been doing over in the states Flidlet have been very very good at finding out about abuse that's taking uh, that's taken place often they'll, they'll find the newspaper articles won't they and make sure that that gets out into into the wider circles of mormonism and whether that's by via reddit or facebook groups or whatever it is they um don't let it the story um just be a flash in the pan and they join the dots up and i think in some way that's yeah. quite powerful but it is very public and and obviously it's court cases so it's public knowledge anyway but here in the UK, um, while that would be um, powerful, I think the approach that you've taken is you want to be victim focused. So it's about making it so that the victims feel that they can come and talk to you, share their experiences, and you support them to get whatever justice looks like for them or wh wherever their, their journey wants to go. Mm -hmm. um, 
rather than be completely focused on the news articles and the the the, the case by cases that, that obviously in the states there's, there's far more numbers because there's there's bigger populations over there of of, of members that um, the information yeah. and it's horrific when you see the stats it's horrific and it's also very very um you know, I find it, I, I, I get irate when I see those stats that Floodlit have collated and the, the work that they've done in, in the background. And then you hear the absolute nonsense that's spouted by church leadership about how little abuse takes place within the church and how what a wonderful job they do of it. Um, I was very incensed to, to hear that um, a 70 has just been called who is a lawyer for Kurt McConkie. Woohoo! Yeah. You know, uh, gosh. Um, Sarah. Yeah, that's one thing that I've been quite interested in, actually, is just what role the lawyers play in this church. That is, it's been a fresh understanding for me as to just the role played by lawyers. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when it comes to, so I mean, like, again, I'm just, I want to reinforce we have so much respect for Floodlet. Consider Floodlet a friend, oh. um, and you know we we're in touch. Um, so yeah, they they they're absolutely incredible, and the work they do is really good. And I don't think that it can be understated how important it is to show prevalence, and they are doing that really really well. Yeah. Um, we don't tend to share stories about victims um, or cases that have been made public. Um, we we maybe sort of talk around them. And not to say that, that we wouldn't if there's something that is really relevant to be discussed. Um, but I think so often there's misinformation, so often um, how something's reported in the media is maybe not balanced. And that can be because it's been understated or a threat is... Um, is being sort of played down and that everything's okay uh when it very much isn't or it can be the opposite and you know obviously we've we've had stories um in the media where um you know uh, groups of people have been completely inflamed and uh do, do you remember when uh one of those sort of more recent spate of um sort of publicly vigilant yeah and it was a, a pediatrician who was attacked yeah, in yeah, his home yeah. because they didn't understand the bloody word um you know people with mistaken yeah. identity where it's you know the the it happens so easily so we, we try to avoid um anything where anyone for any reason might be at risk it's about keeping everyone safe and that includes um yeah, that, that sometimes is, in, is including a perpetrator for really and, good reasons. And they are really difficult calls to make because I absolutely understand the call that people make that they oh, want yes. to know who the offenders are and where they live yeah. and where they go to work. And where, I absolutely understand why people want that information. Yeah. The problem is sometimes that information actually increases risk rather than manages it safely. And, for example, I remember... When I was working, we had a group of about 15 of the highest risk men in the West Midlands that we were managing. We were seeing them a couple of times a week. Police were visiting them at home at least every week. They were electronically tagged. Some of them had got satellite surveillance on them. There were regular lie detectors in use. There was huge amounts of 
work going on to monitor their every movement. Then the News of the World decided they were going to put all their photographs and addresses in a wonderful spreadsheet all about these mm. offenders live among you. Every single one of those 50 men disappeared. And to this day, well, 10 years after I'd finished working in that area, nobody still knew where they were because the, they knew their life was at risk. They disappeared, which meant they'd have taken up a new identity in a community where nobody knew them and their risk would have been massively increased. So that worries me that we move a risk because we think we're doing something that is really, really good. You know, we think we're doing something that's managing a risk and it can be getting in the way of something that is actually managing the risk. But yeah. it's very difficult because what can never happen is we and this is the problem at churches we have to make sure that victims are protected and prioritized mm -hmm. and that if victims are being threatened are being persecuted are being harassed that that is handled and managed appropriately and safely mm -hmm. and we have to get the risk management in place at church to a really high standard yeah yeah and and i i think what we've tried to focus on in the campaign is the the giving our, our faith community the language sort of um I, I i know how this is going to sound but um for people in the uk you know the floodlet has sort of created a map um of cases worldwide and you will find people on the the, oh. the uk section and and things like that now i've got i've, I've got no idea I don't know anyone who's named on the Floodlit website. So unless you 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 know them, that that's really relevant. And I don't. These are these are boogeymen. These are these are sort of the monsters that hide under the bed. And and what I've been sort of really trying to to focus on is when we have a language. It's not, although it can be about the stranger who's coming into the ward and we don't really know what his background is mormons want to feel safe um we we want to we we, we want to uh, circle the wagons when it feels like there's an attack coming from the outside we know what to do with that but when it's families and when it's yeah. leadership and when it's our best friends and, and when it's yeah. systemic and when reporting is the problem these are the things that I want to put yeah. my energy into yeah. um because what what it does for me is it reinforces an idea because by virtue simply of the fact that I don't know any of these people they are not as real to me. They are not a threat. They are something that I can think is in a box. And that's the way of the, I don't really need to think about it. Oh, but I know it's really kind of close. And so I, I need to be super careful about who my kids are talking to. Um, and and that's not really no. it's where I want to put my energy. Now, that said, and I just want to super reinforce, Floodlet are doing a fantastic they job are, they of, are. of showing prevalence amazing, and we do prevalence because and, people are speaking yeah. about it. Yeah. So and yeah, it is, and they've got a fabulous. I think we've just <laughs> we've just lost you again, Sarah. Um, so I, I guess what I wanted to highlight <laughs> they've got a fantastic is... way of showing the number. Yeah, I got you. Keep going. <laughs> Floodlit are absolutely fantastic at showing the sheer number of church leaders and the calling they're in that have abused, which means the church can't keep arguing that this isn't happening. 
because Floodlit have got the data. They know what they're yeah. talking yeah. about. They can evidence it. But we are in danger of creating an illusion of safety at church. Mm -hmm. And my biggest fear is that people will now think we're doing DBS checks, that, oh, everything's safe now. What we need to really be focusing on is changing the culture at church. That's what we need to do. We need to change the culture so that we are talking openly about abuse we're educating our youth our children yeah. our women our men we're educating and talking about abuse so people know what it looks like they recognize yeah. it they're able to believe if they're told about abuse and it happens to be their best friend or their brother or their, or their son that people are able to believe it however shocking and horrifying it is so that yeah. victims are believed all the time and that's what we've got to get to is a change in culture Mm -hmm. that will actually help to make church safer and and so the movement of safety is very dangerous yeah oh absolutely and and i think um you know that that's sort of my my reason for for discussing it tonight is you know as, as we're talking about these frequently answered these frequently asked questions um and floodlet is doing such great work um it, it's just two very different approaches um yeah i love so i love floodlet's work yeah, they're, they're, I, think, I was going to say, I think some of the things that are systemic to the church or certainly the church of my um, teen years and, and young adulthood are um, are behaviours that the that the membership will really need really need to be pointed out to them that this is, um, if not abusive itself, a type of grooming for abuse. And it, it's harsh to hear it, but it, you need to hear it. You need to hear that, that a stake president or a bishop sitting down with a child, a child, yeah. somebody yeah. under 18 years old is a child, and asking them about what sexual acts they did in graphic detail, regardless of whether or not they wanted to tell them. I've been told you did this. Tell me about it. Did you enjoy it? How many times did so, you orgasm? What positions did you use? Where were you at? Did you do it again? How did you feel? How did that make you feel? That is abusive. Yeah, yeah. and it is. Yeah. And when I say 100%. grooming people for that, it's normalizing that and saying that's what you do. If you've got something you have done that you don't feel comfortable with, you've got to go and tell this person about it. And behind closed doors, they are going to ask you these details. As parents, we need to say, no, that is not okay On in no other circumstance would I allow my child to go and sit in front of somebody who their day job is being a dentist or a shopkeeper or a plumber and have them ask them sexually explicit questions. That is grooming behaviour. We're normalising we're normalizing the, the behaviour. And that, that bishop or state president might think that what they're doing is completely okay because it was done to them. Yeah, it doesn't make it okay. And what you're doing is setting that child up for that next abusive relationship and next abusive relationship where they are where they are asked to let down boundaries, which should be in place. And they're asked to put themselves in more and more vulnerable situations and feel guilty and internalize it rather than feel I can talk to people about this because I, did, I didn't want that to happen to me. And it happened to me and I should be okay to tell people it should be safe and I shouldn't be shamed about it. Um, and that, that all of those things need to be broken down at church. We need yes. to break down and and say if somebody um, if somebody girls if, if 
If somebody asks you to dance, you can tell them to shove off. If somebody asks you out on a date, you can tell them, no, thank you, not interested. And boys, you can say the same, it, it, but it's usually that way around. And at, and at um, FSY, that was very normalized just 10, 12 years ago when my older two were there, that they were not allowed to say, girls were not allowed to say no to boys. And boys were put in that horrible situation of having to go and ask girls as well, even when they didn't want to necessarily dance, yeah. which in the UK is not our culture. We don't do that. Um, but that was, that was, oh, hello, Elliot. That was put in and, um, and they were told they had to go through those trips. They were groomed to behave in a way that was not normal to them and to accept things that they felt uncomfortable with and wanted to say no to. Big flashing red lights telling you why we why are we normalizing that sort of thing to, to children. Oh, absolutely. And, and I, I mean, this is tell them you're not allowed to say no to anything. You've just got to do it. You've got to do it. Yeah. You know, Re recreating the cultural norms that were prevalent around the time of Jane Austen is not the way to teach kids that you're, you're not teaching the manners. <laughs> you're not, it's not helping. Um, it's absolutely fine if a young woman is sitting down and doesn't dance uh yeah, I mean, yeah if she wants to be kind that's the only thing that needs to be driving you anyway we talked a little bit about um about our motivations about some of the work other um projects are engaging in we've talked a little bit about um you know sort of we, we some of the things we've learned from victims I want to come to this question uh, from our dear friend Oil Stories. How did Jane and Sarah not lose their faith over this? Because I did. Um, Sarah, do you want to speak to that? And you're on mute, girl. First of all, there's a significant difference between any kind of faith or relationship with Jesus Christ and God and the church. There is the church. There is the gospel. They are different. There may be some overlap maybe a bit but they're different mm -hmm. um what i think about god and jesus is one thing what i think about the leadership of the church is a completely different issue do you know and it's yeah yes there's been things that i'm angry and i'm frustrated with the church about but there's a lot of things safeguarding is one of them but yes there's been things around safeguarding that i've been in despair of i've lost confidence but I probably didn't have phenomenal confidence in the leadership for everything anyway. But definitely, yes, I have been in despair over their safeguarding delays, concerns of the culture. And I hear what you're saying. They might be teaching it's one and the same, but that's what the church are teaching. Oil stories, I, I'm not teaching that. I, I claim the opposite, and that will probably get me in trouble, but... No, so no, 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 it's so, so be it. If it does, it does. But for me, there's God, there's Jesus, there's my relationship with Jesus Christ and God, there's my relationship with the church. Mm -hmm. There is some overlap, but there is certainly no reliance that I need one for the other. Only because I know that you will be okay with me doing this. Yeah, yeah, um, you go for it. I'm going to ask you to um, go deeper. Um, okay. Uh, and so, uh, and, uh, and I'll prompt you if I, if I need to. Ask me the question, yeah. Jane, because I think I'll find it easier if I'm de developing, if I'm answering a direct question. Yeah, well, because I, if I sort of maybe talk a little bit, I, for, for me, 
I don't know, maybe I have lost my faith in the church. Maybe oh. I, I I don't know, it depends, <laughs> it depends what day of the week it is. Um I I feel like making the you know the difference between what the church teaches and what Christ teaches. Um mm. it's it's become now problematic for me because uh in this faith space they look exactly the same they smell exactly the same so i I, i'm just calling it something else and it becomes part of my cognitive um gymnastics that i end up trying to do to make it make sense by saying oh that's not the church actually jesus is you know maybe you know there are days i wake up and i want to throw it all in the bin all of it and then there are days where i feel like here is exactly where i'm supposed to be and this is what my ministry looks like and yeah. the, if that's the only thing that i'm certain about it's it's that this in this time in this moment is right um and i don't know it's not always yeah, yeah. so i i'm and, still and I very that. much in the the, the process right. so let me come back sarah what you think yeah well first of all yeah there's i mean Deborah Squires has said, so did you have a faith crisis with the church? I had a faith crisis with the church years ago. Yeah. I mean, we, we go back several years, my faith and confidence in the church waned significantly going back years. So that's kind of separate. That hasn't come about because of safeguarding. That was kind of already there. Utter despair over gay inequality, over the pox, various other things, racism, lots and lots of other things. So that's kind of a separate issue to safeguarding. Hearing the pain of victims and hearing the number of victims that have never had the slightest respect from the church of an apology or support makes me angry with the church. It leaves me frustrated and it leaves me doubting sometimes the organisational ability to reach in a human level the way I would like a faith community to be able to do to reach out to people on a human level. But somewhere, and I can't explain this, I'll do my best, but I struggle with it. Somewhere deep inside all of this messiness and all of this trust crisis and frustration and difficulties I have with the church and the leadership and my complete separation between my relationship with Christ and my relationship with the church, somewhere amongst all of this, I have an absolute confirmation that we as in Ruth, Jane and myself, we are supposed to be doing the work that we are doing now around safeguarding. I know that. I don't doubt it. I've had it confirmed to me. I have looked for loopholes out. Trust me, I've looked for loopholes out to sort of say, hey, enough is enough now. I can leave. I'm sorry, my phone's ringing. Let me just turn that off. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, off. folks. It's sorry, folks. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, Kemi, if you're listening, I'll phone you back later. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, so wherever I was at, I know that God is calling us to do this. Whatever God looks like to different people, I have a sense that we are being, this is our ministry, this is something we should be doing at this moment in time. And I'm going to own that it has a shelf life. It has a shelf life for my mental health. If for no other reason, it has a shelf life. But 
we can't walk away from the victims whose pain we've experienced. We can't walk away from the fact that the church should and can do better than they are doing. And we have to find a way of working with that in a way that gives our voice credibility in the space we needed to have credibility with the leadership of the church for the benefit and the sake of victims and future victims. And sometimes that's a very difficult path to navigate because there are ways that we have to go about having those conversations when we pick the phone up and we want to speak to the legal counsel for Europe, the head guy, and say, we are concerned about the risk you have in this church. We yeah. have to approach that conversation in a way that means we're going to be able to get to the end of it and be heard. I actually think it's it's and, a really interesting position <sighs> as well to be in that we are we are not, we don't have a vested interest in trying to make the church look good. Nor no, do we, we have a vested interest in trying to, um, you know, discredit the church. We, we don't have an agenda other than supporting victims. Um, but uh, what, what about you, Ruth? What's it like for you when, you know, because you've stepped away, what is coming back into one of the most tough things to talk about? What's that been um, like? It's actually, I feel free, I think, because I don't associate with the the faith anymore and i and i don't hold any space for um sorry ladies but i don't i don't believe in in yeah. Mormon god and i don't believe yeah. in mormon's version of jesus either i think jesus was a real person i don't believe he was raised from the dead i don't believe he was the son of a god i don't believe he created mm. the world i don't believe any of those things anymore mm. but what i do believe in is humanity and i believe people have a have an ability to be both wonderful, the best of the best, the most kind and, and, and you know, reason to, to keep going even when life is tough sort of people to be around, or the most wonderful people to be around, but, but also can be the devil incarnate. And, and what's unfortunate is that I find more humanity and more kindness and more love and generosity and, um, just the types of of um, caring and support that I would expect to see within religion, I find that outside of religion because mm -hmm. unfortunately religion has become this this place where those structures can go unchecked and and Mormonism is a case in point of that. I look at it now with fresh eyes and can see how from the very beginnings of the church and I don't mean to offend anybody who still believes in, no. in in Joseph Smith and and thinks he was a good guy I do not think he was a good guy I think he was a bad guy I think he was a con man and I think he was a an abuser he abused his actual wife and he conned people into into all sorts of, of things including um the forced marriages of children and they weren't marriages because he never you know physically looked after them or cared for them or had a an open relationship with them as you would expect for husband and wife but I can you know whole whole other thing but I think baked in from the very beginnings of this religion and hidden from me when I joined it as a 14 15 year old was that is normalized within this religion to be okay with bad behavior because you're acting in other ways for God that's never okay in my eyes I expect, I expect better of people who stand and claim to speak for God, and I absolutely, and I expect, yeah, absolutely, I expect 
a higher a higher more authentic level of caring which includes correcting people when they um are wrong than this church emulates the only thing that they seem to care about is their money and keeping it for themselves and not actually helping people in the way that i would expect biblical jesus Mm to to think that his anything named in his name would want to act um and so when i when i come back and look at it with fresh eyes and say could the church do better yes it flipping well could does do the people who are still active at church deserve a safe place to to find a relationship with god absolutely and am i prepared to you know fight the good fight and stand with you guys and and help you in whatever you want to do absolutely i'll do it every day and on sundays because yeah I, you do you know um, I'm going to push us on a little bit here. So, um, yeah, because we we have a big announcement uh, that's coming up. Um, Tell us, so we we talked about the the spiritual toll. Um, For both of you, we we have had some really, really tough discussions. um, And I think especially women Mm. in a patriarchy having to push and having to engage and deal with setbacks and so it's tough so what have we learned as women engaging in a patriarchy and what um what have we what have we uh what do we do to look after ourselves what's what's our self-care You guys are sat in this space more so than I am, and you're having these conversations, and your heads aren't exploding. So you tell me, because I don't know how you're doing it. Right, Sarah. I think I think it's not an exaggeration to say that that we've rarely had a full day off from something to do with safeguarding. Yeah, we made an odd. We've never ever had as much five consecutive days without something that we've had to do. Or yeah. a even when we're sick, have, yes. Or, uh-huh. Yeah. Even when we're sick, and even when we're in a tent in the middle of Dartmoor, and things <laughs> like that, we have lit- we have literally been having to have conversations and hoping and praying the internet signal is going to hold out as we're talking to somebody who's hurting, mm. or we're addressing a risk issue that somebody's brought to our attention, or we're responding to a request for information or whatever it is. So it has taken a toll in that he's, it probably has taken over our lives. I think that's probably true to say it has. But for whatever reason, we would do it again in a heartbeat. I say we, Jane should speak for that for herself, but I, I believe we would do yeah. it. I would do it again. I believe you guys would do it again in a heartbeat. There's been a roller coaster of emotion around literally from the beginning. Are we going to get excommunicated? Are we going to get sort of shunned, kicked out in a different ways? What's going to happen? Are we going to have a voice within this community at the end of this? There's been that roller coaster of will they, won't they? How is this going to work? What's going to happen? Um, that roller coaster has been difficult at times. It's been kind of okay at other times there's been wonderful moments we've been able to see people flourish and grow and feel empowered and take control and just be grateful that they've been listened to and heard there's been wonderful there's been moments when leaders have said to us i've done a 360 degree turnabout on safeguarding since talking to you there's been incredibly uplifting encouraging moments there's been not to despair 
that you know there's been anger there's been despair there's everything in between it how do we switch off from all of that my way of switching off from all of that is i go walking i go camping yeah i put my tent i toddle off and i go camping for a few days and i go walking and i enjoy the stillness the calmness the beauty and I remind myself that this is a fabulous world, that I love this world, and that I've got many, many good people that love me and that I'm friends with. I will be 100% honest, and this is possibly not going to go down the greatest, but what the heck, we're into honesty in 21st century saints. A lot of my spiritual needs are obtained. Is that the right word? A lot of spiritual feeding, nurturing comes from out of the church other people that have their own faith their own faith history their own faith traditions a lot of the nurturing and spiritual feeding that i get comes from that not from church because church is actually hard work it's hard work it really is yeah it is a lot of my spiritual nourishment comes elsewhere and my laughing and joking and have ridiculous conversations in the morning and crying with laughter comes with you guys yeah yeah we we i think um having the broader uh like 21st century saints is is everything i think having the uh the brit avengers uh who are our bases is everything um really really helps we've we've all become really close in doing this work and i i i think to suggest that i switch off from it would be i i don't think that would be being honest with myself um and I think similarly, this is very different, Sarah, from whenever you were working and it was a nine to five job. And it's very you know, different. so, yeah, th this is it's, it's this very is, different. It's, it's our life, it's our spirituality, it's our world. And, um, you know, we, we don't keep office hours. So, what we do is have to super, super look after ourselves. And uh, and there are times when we do that better times than others. Sometimes we have to remind ourselves that we you know, get to bed. This is complete craziness. Um, you, we need a break. Uh, we've had those conversations. Um, and yeah, I think it's just having a, a, a circle of support that um, if ever we need held up as we try to hold up that work, we have other people who are holding us up. We have um, organisations who, uh, I mean, I would love to yeah. see the churches, one of those people who hold us up, one of those organisations is less so. Some individuals within it, absolutely, maybe at times. Yeah. Um, but, you know, organisations such as NWG, um, NWG have been super. incredible. Yeah, so if, if, you know, if ever, so we have that. Um, but yeah, and we, they, we to... Jane, I think it's worth recognising that NWG actually spoke to us and said, put on the table, what you are doing is going to have a heavy toll emotionally and spiritually, and you need support. And where are you getting that from? Because we can offer that to you in a regular discussion. Yeah. And they've been absolutely amazing at helping us think things through. Yeah. And I and I think the the other thing as well, you know, just because I, I can see it sort of in the in the chat as well, is we, is we have organisations, you know, we mentioned Floodlet, but one of our you know dearest friends is um is one of the admins on Protected Children, Katie, yeah. who is who's absolutely wonderful, and uh, and sometimes you know we're we're maybe having a having a chat about things that are yeah. either happening in the background or, um, but it's also worth worth I think you know saying that um you know you 
when you have someone like Katie, like organisations like Protect the Children, which um, you know currently that that's been led by a survivor. Um, so to to sort of I, I haven't survived abuse within the Mormon church and this is a very different world for me. So I, I guess I would just say, you know, don't don't forget to show the admins on those pages some love and, and your support because they are doing incredible work and they are there for us too. I love that this, this space has become... Um, Oh, you know, it, it's become a real environment. It, it, it works. Um, we, we work symbiotically at times, and there are no ex Mormons and Mormons in this space. It's it's been so inspiring. That, that's um, what I love. Yeah, that that's that's the joined the, together. It's joined everyone together. Whether yeah. you believe or have any belief in anything anymore, whether you have massive belief and trust everything the church ever says. Whatever end of that spectrum you're on, everybody mm. is united and come together for safeguarding. And I don't think it could have happened. Um, okay, so so maybe that that's the the other question that we are frequently asked is so how come we saw the results? <laughs> Be, because wow. people are working so hard and have been for years, and it can it, you know people are contacting us so supportively, but also a little bit broken hearted. Like what? Yeah. Have you been what did I need hard? to do? Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. Any thoughts on that? I, my opinion is that it's like, um, you know, in the First World War, when they when they would go over the um, the 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 top sort of thing, and you'd have wave after wave after wave of of fallen soldiers going over the top and getting shot down, going over the top and getting shot down, going over the top and getting shot down. And sadly, that's what the Mormon Church is allowed to happen with with this sort of activism which is they've cut down people with excommunication. They've cut down people by minimising what they're saying or, or misconstruing what they're saying. They've cut down people by ignoring them and allowing them to, to leave the church. They've cut down the victims of abuse by, by making it the only safe option is to, to lose their faith and move away. Um, they've cut down people for the worst possible reason, which is they take their own lives off, you know, and, and, and that's yeah. a, a horrible consequence of abuse. Um, so, uh, but these waves and waves and waves of people have gone over the top, and, <coughs> and I think partly it is, it is you are flipping tenacious women who who don't take no for an answer, and were prepared from day one to say if this costs us our membership, so be yeah. it. I, you know, mm. I was neither here nor there on membership. I'd I'd, I'd have been incensed if this what got, got me chucked out, but I. I'd neither here nor there. You know, it's like taking away my my um, Dennis the Menace badge. I don't care. I don't buy the Beano anymore. Um, I, and I feel like there's so partly it was it was your personality types and your ability to say what you needed to say and not take no for an answer. But partly it was because somehow we were we were going over the top at the point that, that the guns were being reloaded and we just managed to get across that no man's land pitch the flag and and once that flag was up there how could they say no how could they say no when you've done a, a national um conference how could they say no to it when when the the press around the world is pointing out where where mormonism has had to pay out millions and millions of pounds in compensation to to victims who they failed through the scouting program in the states how could they say no when there is 
evidence over and over and over again of where the, the current system has failed people and doesn't work and what you're suggesting isn't just this is bad but and this is what you can do to improve it you've come to them with a solution and so i think it, it's a combination of, of all of those things it is so. and i think that's i think that's that's really really true Ruth. it's a combination of all those factors I think the one thing also that has absolutely been in our favour and has been absolutely pivotal to this is we approached the church with evidence-based research. We yeah. didn't just walk in there and shout angry words at them and angry slogans yeah. at them yeah. and angry messages. We walked in and we said, this is what the best experts in the UK say you should be doing as a faith community to safeguard. This is what the UK government say you should be doing. These are the recommendations from serious case reviews, from independent inquiry. These are the things that you should be doing. These are the things that you are failing to do. And these are some examples of people that have been harmed that may not or would not have been harmed had you been doing these things. Mm. So we gave them evidence. We gave them research. We gave them information we wrote safeguarding policy documents we wrote guidelines for bishops we wrote how to respond to abuse documents we put huge amounts of information that was all credible evidence-based yeah. and came from the best experts in the uk and we yeah. put all of that together for the church yeah. so we absolutely backed up everything that we were being tenacious and challenging and difficult about saying but we backed all of it up with examples of why things were going so wrong in the church and what they should be doing and yes. I think that had a huge amount to do with the fact that the church had one option well we don't go at the UK government so we're, we're losing you a little bit again me, every single children's charity says that we're okay mm -hmm. have you got me yeah <coughs> yeah so we didn't actually just sit there um, yeah, we're, we're, I'm going to just mute Sarah just now while the while the internet settles down again What's because we, we've yeah we, we've we've kind of lost her a little bit. Um, Sarah said that was really important, Jane, in that she was saying yeah. you came with all of that evidence, and that was in stark contrast to the testimony that was given um, in 2019 by the UK Church lawyer to the Charities Commission. Um, you know, it was basically yeah. saying that what was said in 2019 didn't align with the actual facts. Yeah. Um, I I think there's 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 something. I think there's another couple of elements too, and you know, and and this is the the with the same spirit that you know we talk about the different approaches. I think that's you know to circle back to you know mentioning the floodlet approach and and it, it's needed um, without people who historically have been excommunicated uh you know as you know from going right back to the early history of the church the september 6th um without that kind of thing happening we wouldn't be where we are however we had to work i think with a combination of someone who was an engaged member because the church can engage with member you know with with experts and uh and hear research constantly it's it's being sent it's been invited to engage what well, i think when you have someone who has the level of expertise um that we've been able to you know th that we've had been blessed with with sarah 
when we have been able to extrapolate the information that is needed from that research to make it specific to this church um, so that this cut and paste you know thing wouldn't work but it wouldn't have been the same result what would have happened if if we had protested outside church headquarters or outside the temple outside our buildings outside what we would have seen was a battening down of the hatches because we would have been anti-mormons and it wouldn't have worked what we not only did we have the right person in Sarah, the right platform in here, uh, the right information, the um, the government policies were all in place. We also, it, it's really worth keeping in mind, the church did not have to do this. There is and, no obligation yeah. for them to to put these policies right. in place. Yeah. yeah, but we had leaders who had had connected with us they had come to us um who were prepared to sort of talk about how they really felt about it and uh, we we although completely disagree with lots of things we had that same purpose yeah. in addition to that then we we've got the you know people who are actively you know advocating for things in other ways who are ex-mormon who are calling out the church in very public ways um we, we have victims who were trusting us in coming forward both to the media and to us and so i think it's been a very unique set of circumstances that could only have happened in an area that was small enough you know trying this out in the british isles to then see well how would this work globally I, I think is is absolutely incredible I don't I don't think it could have happened somewhere else yeah I think Richard made a point in the comments as well about the fact that um you know a nod to um the area presidency that we currently have and and, and that is leadership roulette which is an easily banded around yes but yes. but I think it has some validity here um I think we you know that's the role of the dice so the people across the world just keep on pushing because a change of leadership could mean that door swings open and 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 maybe the actions are the right actions in certain areas but you've just got to wait for the right ears to be listening to the message um yeah and then to go yeah i i can i can see a way to to make this work in our area too definitely um, that's the structure that the church operates in they have they have this leadership and structure and and you have to wait for the leadership in the local area to say yay or nay to something no matter what a good idea it is or what the experts say and um, that's the structure that you that's the, the rules you're playing by so that has been been part of it and fortunately that has worked now does that mean that that door swings closed again if you get a new leadership if your state president changes you know or your bishop changes or your area presidency changes do we if we get a new profit, does it all swing in the opposite direction? Who knows? What matters is that this combination of, of quiet determination and speaking to people privately and then activism and having a public voice and saying, we're not going to be quiet, we'll be polite, but we're not going to be quiet. Um, I think there's there's that good tension there between those two models that you've you've made work um um so i i'm just conscious that that time is is moving on here and um what i'm going to do rather than dig into sort of what we're seeing generally about how the new 
um, how the new church guidelines, it's not perfect. It's got a way to go. We've covered this on other shows, so I'm going to direct you there for the moment because no doubt we will pick it up and talk about it again. Um, just really quickly, because I want to come back to um, the replication of this work. And like I say, we do have a big announcement. Um, can anyone speak to how this is being received in the UK, both by members and leaders? What's what's the word on the ground? Sarah. Sarah, you, I'll unmute you. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> we oh, can hear okay. you go. I, I'm, <laughs> that's good. We're hearing some good stuff. We know that safeguarding specialists are starting to be called. We're hearing of them now in post in several states. I know that I've had several invitations to go to different ward councils speak in sacrament meeting interesting isn't it speak in sacrament meeting and train ward council so i've had a few invitations to go and do that so it'll be really interesting when that's happened to come back and talk about how that was received and how people yeah. experience that for themselves and what that's about i've attended state bishopric meetings and been able to talk to bishops and they were really on board with this safeguard and they all had questions about how are we going to make dbs work how is this going to happen they all had questions but they were not questions that came from we don't want to do this this is too much work it was we want the church to be safer we want this to work how do we do this what do we do about this situation can you help me think about whether we should agree to this WhatsApp group or not. You know, so there's some mm -hmm. good discussion going on. So the people are thinking, they're asking questions. Um, and, and Sarah's dropped out a little bit again. It's okay, she'll be back. Um, Ruth, are you hearing any, any gossip just, about how? Oh, obviously, I don't attend church anymore and our experience <laughs> has been that we've been pretty much cut off from, <laughs> from members. Um, that's fine. Um, but I have had a couple of people who know of my association with you guys and know that I, I do the podcast um, just reach out to me privately and say yeah. thank you, which I, you know, I pass that thanks on to you guys for doing the donkey work. But um, and I think that's quite interesting that, that in so many ways, don't speak to me, don't communicate with me, but are quietly watching from the sidelines to see what happens and appreciative i mean that the announcement um back in june that this change is coming was monumental it really was i think people thought we were just dreamers and just just you know shouting into the wind so to see those changes not only happen but but that there was a time frame for them it was it was not just a ephemeral goal. It was, this is going to happen by this date and then this is going to happen by this date and this is going to happen by this date. You know, not not half the shopping list of actions we'd like to see, but a start was amazing. And, and to have people say off the record to the person who doesn't believe anymore, thank you. I think, you know, that that's a big sign that there are, oh, there are people quietly, quietly, quietly at church just clinging on there by their fingertips and desperate for this sort of thing to be happening. So I can't emphasize that enough. Yes, the, the people who ha are working in this space who are not affiliated with the church um, and maybe never have been in some cases, but you know, the people that are doing this work, yes, absolutely. I, I, we would not be here if we hadn't all um, been in the same place together. Yeah. Um, 
so I, d I don't know. I, I think I definitely understanding that um, from the early days of its announcement, um, there were a few raised eyebrows. We, we did have, you know, people who are saying DBS like, oh, this is going to be more work, background checks, something else we're going to have to do. We haven't had to have them up until now and we've been just fine. We haven't seen a problem without. Well, let's face it, church leaders have been saying for quite some time that everything is fine and we don't need them and I think they've believed you know really really sincerely believed that um but tough this is the Lord's way so get behind it see I can use your words against you um yeah so I, I think there, there can be a little bit of grumbling certainly a little bit of concern about um about potential releases yeah. it definitely hasn't all sort of we we're not currently sitting in the UK with a safeguarding specialist in every state just yet. Um, we I, I don't know if it's sort of evolved into it's it's sort of being rolled out more more sort of slowly. I think while they had intended for it to, here's when we're going to do it. It's it's sort of becoming a little bit more slow than that. But but we do have this ultimate deadline. Um, where it will be done by the end of the year so people are being called they are being set apart um for the most part people are absolutely behind it uh leaders are are engaging in the training they are using the safe the, the safeguarding specialists um i think it's going to have to we're going to have to see the training starting to come into place before we can sort of see um, here's what we can feed back about how it looks in practice. Because it's all very well to have these people. Is it going to affect how safeguarding happens? And we still don't have that language. Um, so the training is really going to have to address that. Um, we, we're not going to be able to be in a situation where you have a session of training with a safeguarding specialist and then you suddenly understand safeguarding. There's There are processes here. So, yeah, I'm... I'm it's still very much an unfolding picture. Sarah. Sarah, girl, you're muted. Yeah, you're, you're not muted on here. You might need to go out and come back in again. Right, I think what we need to do is we need to have a fundraiser for Sarah's internet and speakers. We're we going to get you there, Sarah. Um, yeah, if you, if you just reload and come back in again, I'm sure we'll be fine. Um, so we want to, we, we I think we, we want to present a picture here of safeguarding that, yeah, things are looking great. Things are... Or, or are on their way to looking great. Things have got a very long way to go, though. Um, yeah. A anything that you want to comment on before um, we do the big announcement? Big announcement. No, and I think, I well, I think you're absolutely right. We are waiting to see how it progresses. Yeah. Um, the time frame was set by the church themselves and... Um, so we will be calling them to repentance if they don't stick to their their um, goals yeah. and aims. Um, and I think the, the fact that they haven't hit their, their goals as far as timings so far is maybe, with all of these things, um, evidence of how 
difficult a process this is and we we acknowledge that so we will support them and cheer them on as they recognize the fact that this isn't going to be easy this is a huge cultural change as well as embedding new practices and policies and training that needs to take place so so we appreciate that it may they may slip a little from their their targets but we'll we'll hold them to them because they absolutely they set I think your sound is back. She's it's quiet, you. but we've got you. <laughs> I think it is. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think one thing we need to be aware of as well is that we have had people talk to us that are worried about coming back with information on that might not necessarily be about abuse, but they're worried about what we action church leaders will have when they see that information. Yes, yes, yes. So we have had some conversations mm, yeah. with people worried and conversations yeah. with people worried because they know that there's been child protection concerns about their children in the past and they're worried that that may show up. So, you yeah. know, some people are some people are worried about the DBS process from that perspective. But overwhelmingly, what has been incredible is the number of victims that have said it is just such a relief to know that their abuser will never be able to teach primary again. Yeah. You know, and comments like that, that is just been, yeah. I mean, and, if, and nothing else, if nothing else, it's been worth it for that. You know? Oh, it's, it's been a privilege to be able to take when, when someone has a, has a life concern or, or even a historic oh. concern. If, if, if there is um, any reassurance that needs to be given about whether a person is, is still potentially working with children, to be able to directly engage in that has been such an honor um yeah. yeah we we this the support of the people who have um been with us during this campaign has allowed us to make that kind of difference and literally keep children safe and um, that there's it, it sounds yeah. so big because it is so big sarah do you want to close us out before we do the um, announcement credit Okay, yeah, just because I think there's credit to so many people in this journey, credit to victims that have been courageous enough to speak up and share their stories, credit to church leaders that have been willing to listen to a couple of tenacious, difficult women kind of say, hey, this is not good enough, and credit to all the people that have worked behind the scenes helping us do so many things, you know, helping us send letters to every bishop, helping us gather information, helping us reach out and talk to people, you know, just so many people to thank in this whole story. And um, we would do it again. We would do it again in a heartbeat, just yes, to make that we different. would. And do you know what? We will. Um we, we will we will. We will. Because we, we haven't finished yet. We haven't finished yet. We we are we're ready for the big announcement. We want to say a huge thank you to everyone who has donated to us. It has it has let us produce a website. It is it has let us um, send letters. It has let us do do this. Mm-hmm. Um, we are so thankful um, for all of the support that you have given. The next thing that we would like to do is to directly respond um, to the questions that we have. How can I do this in my area? How can we replicate this? What things can we learn about what has worked here? What can we do? Um, 
What we're going to do is on the 10th of September in 2023, we are hosting a 21st Century Saints Worldwide Safeguarding Development Workshop. Now, what we're asking for you to do, it's going to be held on Zoom. Uh, what we're asking for you to do is you can, uh, currently it's on our Facebook page. So if you go take a look there, you will find uh, the relevant information. But what's going to happen is we're going to host, um, it will be an evening for us, it will be an afternoon for, for most of the rest of the, the world. Uh, mm -hmm. We're going to have, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the specifics, the steps that we took. We're going to have uh, some information about what you need to understand about the landscape of safeguarding. Some really important things to help you give give you a context so that you have a language uh, to be able to, to use in the work that you do. We're going to be able to help you to network with other people in your area so that you can get together with people who would like to um, work to the same end. We are going to have guest speakers who are going to give you some information about justice, uh, about legal issues, uh, about uh, the theology of safeguarding specific to the LDS church, but also specific to other faiths. We're going to be able to talk about what we can learn uh, from what other faiths have learned in their safeguarding journeys. There are some really exciting things. Uh, so from today... Uh, one year after we launched the, the 21st Century Saints Safeguarding Campaign, which was unique to how things were working in the UK, we would now like to hand the baton to you. So we need your help. We would love for you to show up. There's going to be uh, opportunities to ask questions. And this is as close to um, a kind of training that we can offer. This is the very best way to organise um, and plan and ask for safeguarding in your area. It is to come together in exactly the same page with exactly the same end with you know your, your various methods and your various passions and your talents and to get to work. That's going to mean... Uh, doing things like Sarah did, meeting with her elected representatives. It's going to maybe mean sending out some emails. It's maybe going to mean meeting with your own leaders. Now, if you don't want to meet with your leaders, you don't have to, but you're going to find that we're going to be able to put you in touch with people who will be happy to do that. And making these relationships, I believe, are the very best way that you can make a start in letting your local leaders know um, and your area leaders know that this is important to you. You're going to be so informed about safeguarding mm -hmm. that you will be able to be a fantastic source of information for your leaders and for any organisations who are supporting this faith community as uh, to, to reach this goal of safeguarding. This is going to be the start of a journey and you are going to be able to be someone who is going to be possibly the best resource um, to, to get us to that end goal. We are really excited to share it with you. Now, our programme is still slightly evolving. We're going to be making the announcements about who specifically will be speaking. Uh, it is only in a few weeks' time. So mark your calendars. You do have to pre-register. Uh, but if you would uh, consider joining us, 
then we would absolutely be honoured to have you with us. Spread the word. So with that, uh, we're going to see if we will for tonight. Next week, we're going to have a fantastic discussion. Uh, we will be back with you. We're also going to have uh, David Shepherd. Uh, who is a, a wonderful um, ex-Mormon who is a therapist. He he does fantastic work. He supported many of our faith community and he's very, very well loved in the UK Mormon community. He's going to come back and he's going to talk to us about um, the subject of being anxiously engaged. If you are going to church every week and feeling <laughs> church anxiety and people are saying, why are you still going? If you're starting to wonder that yourself, if you have no intention of going anywhere and you just want to try and make it work, well, we've got a therapist who's going to give you some tips and, you know, maybe we're going to wrestle with that question. Why the hell are we still going if it's really, really hard? Anyway, we're going to have a chat. We're going to talk about some of the tough stuff and, uh, yeah, hear from people who have left, uh, like Ruth, and we're going to hear from people who are staying engaged and suffer church anxiety every every when does it start for you sarah what night's your church anxiety night is it saturday or do you... well if i'm if i'm going to church because i don't go everywhere yeah. but if i'm going i usually think saturday night i think oh, oh that's the big night oh, oh. i'm going to church tomorrow yeah me too and, and, and i have to be clear everybody in my ward is lovely and super friendly and super kind i don't go to church have people be horrible to me it's just yeah. I'm struggling with just so much dissonance and so many challenges that it's a difficult place to be. But the people in my ward are lovely. So I don't want if, anyone to go away thinking that they're horrible. They're not. They're lovely. Yeah. Too, and if you're a member of the church who goes to church and doesn't experience Mormon anxiety, please join us and tell us how you do it. We would love to learn from you. Uh, and just to quickly uh, answer the comments. Yes. If uh, safeguarding means choosing between your member of your membership in the church and keeping children safe we know we we know we all know what the answer we is what we the, all answer know is. the most important thing is i think we've been able able to demonstrate that you'll be fine yeah. that you're not going to get kicked out we're of the still church here we're, we're still here for the simple reason that those who have gone before you and those who are being extremely vocal are allowing us to speak up yeah. and use your voice That's so right. if you have any credibility capital or just connection if you're still in the church membership records mm. use it yeah. please don't be afraid to use your voice it's what you were called to do so so i want to really encourage and support um and uh, although it's a valid fear and yeah it might happen i i don't know i i this is a really good landscape and a really good time to do that. Uh, as for Kaz, yes, it will be a Zoom link. We will we will all be hanging out on Zoom, whether you love or hate Zoom. We will we will make it work. And uh, yes, Oil Stories, who really enjoys her second Saturdays because she just doesn't go. <laughs> mm. I yeah I bless your Sundays fantastic okay thank you all so much um and we will see you right here next week don't forget come and find us uh register for the the show drop us a donation uh send us some love give us a like we really appreciate you and all you do and thank you so much for being with us in this journey we bless yours good night everyone night good night night